Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Morning. That was very chipper. Thank you. I um, I didn't expect to feel this way coming up because I'm I saw the sixth graders, and I thought of myself as a sixth grader, um, and how lost and lonely and broken I was as a sixth grader. Um, Pam would say at this point, but you had a giant head, <laughs> and. All the things that God has done in faithfulness to bring me to this point is a miracle. Some of you know my story, and I've heard it before, but you've heard it before, and I've heard it many times. Um, But to think back on sixth grade and all that the Lord had to do in my life to get me to now, all the things I know about, all the things I don't know about, amazing. I'm testifying that God is faithful no matter where you are, uh, no matter what your situation in life, no matter what your level of desperation, He's here and ready for you. But that's not part of the message. The, this is the final message on the, our series on the seven churches of Revelation. It's about 60 years or so after Jesus left the earth and went back to heaven, and He's speaking to His old friend John. And he says, I I want you to tell the churches something from me. And John writes it down. And in this last church, his mind is on commitment and passion. Now, we, we know commitment and passion. I've got four stories I'll share with you. The upper left hand corner, that's Dean and Paul. Uh, They only had to wait in line in the coldest November in recorded history of New York for six days. Six days they got their iPhone. Over on the upper right, that's Lewis Deming. He is a rabid, passionate Minnesota Vikings fan. And he refuses to wear his shirt to a football game because he wants to support his team. You can't see it, but the temperature is in the scroll at the bottom. The temperature for Lewis was negative two. That's commitment, that's passion. Oh, I'm not supposed to, well, I have. Lower left-hand corner, that's uh, Kayla Silva and two of her closest friends at the Taylor Swift concert that was at Fox Road Gillette Stadium just this past spring. Her dad, um, Anthony Silva, thought, anything for my little girl. I wonder if you know how much he paid for four Taylor Swift tickets. $21,000. But what's a home equity line for? He's committed. 
Lower right may be the strangest level of commitment I've ever heard of. Lower right is, uh, his name is Jeff Torpy. Uh, he was convicted for armed robbery for 30 years. So the judge was giving him 30 years in prison for armed robbery. But Jeff is a Larry Bird fan. If you know who Larry Bird was, he was a, a Boston Celtics legend. And his number was 33. And so at sentencing, this is true, he said, the, the judge said, 30 years. And he said, Your Honor, I'd really like to have 33 to match the number of my favorite player. Judge obliged. He got 33 years. I, I don't know if that's passion, zeal, commitment, or just wildly unwise. Uh, we know zeal when we see it. We know passion when we see it. But the question on the table for the last Church is not whether we know passion, it's whether we know the passion. And that brings us to church number seven, Laodicea. Laodicea was about 40 miles away from last week's church, Philadelphia. So 40 miles away from Philadelphia, Laodicea is like the New Jersey of the seven churches. I don't know whether that's a compliment or not. This is the only church that did not receive a positive message. So brace yourself. Revelation 3, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. This is Jesus. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm... Because you are lukewarm, and that word for lukewarm is chileros. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. It's a special condemning word just for Laodicea. It refers to the condition of a wretchedly fluctuating soul. A wretchedly fluctuating soul. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And i got to be honest, the word really isn't spit. Spit is a very kind euphemism for what Jesus actually says. So what's going on at this church that gets such a gut-wrenching proclamation from Jesus? What is wrong with Laodicea? Here's some background. Laodicea was located about 40 miles from Philadelphia and 100 miles east of Ephesus. And it was founded by Antiochus II and named in honor of his wife, Laodicea, who incidentally later poisoned him. It was located on the Lycus River and was about eight miles from Colossae to whom the book of Colossians was written and was at a crux of two major Roman roads. It was an incredibly wealthy city. It had a large banking center with large manufacturing interests. When Laodicea was destroyed by an earthquake in AD 60, they refused outside aid and rebuilt the city at their own expense. Such self-sufficiency was rare and made the city famous. They were also famous for a valuable wool found in the valleys that was soft in texture and black in color, which meant that Laodiceans almost exclusively wore black as evidence of their wealth. 
There was also an important school of medicine located in the Temple of Karu, and connected to this school was an industry for the manufacture of a special eye medicine, collyrium, made from a famous Pyrogean stone. Laodicea was a successful and well-ordered city with proud, arrogant and self-satisfied inhabitants. They were accustomed to leisure, pleasure and entertainment as evidenced by the ruins of the amphitheatres which remain here to this day. Jesus begins his message to the church and gives them no affirmation. He tells them that they're neither hot nor cold, but they're lukewarm. This analogy would have been familiar to them. Hot water from the nearby springs here in Heriopolis was pumped down to them via aqueducts and pipes. Today you can see the remnants of these aqueducts and pipes with a mineral deposit inside them. By the time the water reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm, good for nothing. Lukewarm water, Jesus says, I will spew out of my mouth, and if you remain in this state, I will vomit you out. Laodicea was a successful and well-ordered city with proud, arrogant, and self-satisfied inhabitants. They were accustomed to leisure, pleasure, and entertainment. We don't know anything about that, so we'll have to project ourselves. Now, Jesus doesn't use the word water in this text, but they would know what he's talking about. He talks about cold water, hot water, lukewarm water. There are two ways to interpret that. Um, I'm voting for the second one, but the first one is that hot is good. Hot means on fire for God, courageous, trustworthy, faithful. That's hot. Cold is the opposite. Cold is to completely reject the Lord. And the argument is that even that kind of cold is better than lukewarm. The argument is even if the people who outright turn their back on Jesus, the cold people, even they do less damage to the kingdom than those who sort of go through the motions and pretend the lukewarm people. The argument is those lukewarm people are even more dangerous than the cold people. That's one argument. I like the second one because of what the Laodiceans would have thought of when they thought of water. The second one, interpretation means it's the intensity that matters. What Jesus is calling for is passion, commitment, zeal, intensity. And both cold and hot are good because they are intense. And Laodiceans would have known this example. The hot water at Hierapolis, which was north of Laodicea, people went there, it had healing powers, it was wonderful, just like hot water is. Then the cold water at Colossae, which wasn't far from Laodicea either, was some of the best in the world to drink cold, ice cold, hot, both good. But by the time water got to Laodicea, it was neither of those things. It was lukewarm, good for nothing. In fact, because of the temperature and because of the mineral content, the water at Laodicea would make you sick. It was an an emetic, which means drink that water and your body cleanses itself. So they would have known lukewarm. And I think that's the model. I think what Jesus is calling for is intensity. Be useful. Hot water is useful. Cold water is useful. Lukewarm is nothing. 
And that's the message. The implication is be intense, passionate, zealous, pick your word all in about your life in Christ. That's when you're useful. The Laodiceans were half-hearted. They were going through the motions. They thought they had it all. They were actually deceived by all they had, by their wealth and their circumstances. They thought they had it all, and they had nothing, and now are in danger of being spit out. They should have remembered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. They should have remembered Luke. All, but they didn't. So the question is, and I think this is an important question, especially because of where we are in history. Why is Laodicea the last church mentioned? I mean, you would have, you would have thought maybe put Philadelphia at the end because that's the most positive one, so end on an upbeat note. But actually, Jesus ends with a very hard word. And part of the reason for that is it may be, according to scholars, because Laodicea represents the final church before the end of the age. Now, take a look at um, each church. Now, Revelation is both forthtelling, which means the truth of Revelation was valid in 95 AD when it was written. It was true for the churches in Asia Minor at that moment. But it's also foretelling. You know, Revelation is an apocalyptic book. It speaks into the future. And so what scholars have found is you can align the seven churches in Revelation with the church ages through time. I'll just take the last tree, Sardis. The Sardis was the one that said, you look alive, but you're dead. That seemed to be the church in the 16th century into which the Reformation was needed. The Philadelphia church is seen as the revived church, late 19th century, early 20th century. That's where our denomination came from, the great revival of early last century. That's the church in Philadelphia. And then Laodicea is the lukewarm fallen church at the end of the age. So that begs the question, where are we? You can make the case that the age of Laodicea has begun, the final church age. Certainly, we know in our churches in America, lukewarm seems to be the temperature of the day. It makes me sad to think about it. We have, we have churches that are, are just largely materialistic and largely about wealth and gain. They are lukewarm when it comes to sacrifice. We have churches to whom people who are sexually broken and twisted come. And the church doesn't offer the freedom and healing that they need. The church celebrates the sexual brokenness. Deviance is goodness. They are lukewarm when it comes to their approach to God's word. Then there are churches that reject the marginalized, the outsiders. Anybody who is not like them, they throw stones at. They stay in their own little cliques, us four and no more. They're lukewarm when it comes to their love. And it all sure feels like Laodicea. 
verse 17. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you don't realize, you don't see. Now brace yourself that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. They were blind. Look at those words, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I told a pastor friend of mine, we're doing a summer series on the seven churches of Revelation. He, he couldn't help but laugh. He said, you're doing a summer series on some of the hardest texts in the Bible. What are your people made of steel? I said, yeah, our people are pretty tough. They can not only take it, they actually want the truth. So here we go. The last church, wretched, poor, blind. There are paradoxes here. Laodicea was a wealthy city. They rebuilt themselves on their own and refused help. They're a wealthy city, but they're told to buy gold. They had a famous eye clinic. People come from miles and miles around to have healing for their eyes, and yet they were told to get salve for their eyes. Uh, they prided themselves on their expensive black wool, and they were told to put on white. They considered themselves to have arrived, but Laodicea means a people judged. This is a crushing word. I kept thinking of Psalm 139 because I thought to myself, don't you dare cast aspersions somewhere else without looking in here. And I kept going back to Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my, my heart. Me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, may we never be lukewarm. It, it's really sobering, and sobering in a good way, to think what might deceive us as the end comes, and how can we stay prepared? That's why we're reading, that's why this is in here. That's why we came to this book. That's why it's in Revelation, for us to consider are we hot? Are we intense? Or will we be easily stepped aside? Will we be tempted to bring our temperature into the safe and comfortable and deadly middle? Verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest passionate, zealous, intense, all in. Be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Of all the hard things you can know about Laodicea, maybe this is the hardest because Jesus door and closed it. And so there's the Lord of the universe, the majestic Messiah, standing outside figuratively and literally, 
knocking. But the lukewarm going through the motions church doesn't appear to hear. However, but yet, read on. If anyone, 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 if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, even in a dead, lukewarm place like Laodicea, the promise is laid out. Mercy at the shadow of the cross. And all it takes is the turn of a door handle. All it takes is a turn. There's even for the lukewarm, even for the worst of the worst, mercy awaits. Is there anything like that? Is there any story like that? And I, I mean, I was going to do a whole thing on why Jesus might say this. One, Jesus says it's because he feels like it, and that means it's true, and that means it matters to us. But then I got to thinking about the power of lukewarm. What if the young woman who had witnessed to me had been half-hearted in her witness? I wasn't raised a Christian. I wasn't saved till I was 19 years old. There was a particular woman who knew the Lord and kept witnessing to me and kept witnessing to me. And I remember her saying, Brian, you think you're so smart that you'll just argue with me and I'll give up, but I'll never give up because God's never going to give up on you. What if she had been half-hearted, apathetic, maybe gave it one shot and then left me? Well, I likely wouldn't be here. Margaret tells a story of three separate people inviting her to this church before she finally came. What if they had been lukewarm, half-hearted? Yeah, Margaret's never going to listen. Margaret's too cool for church. Three people. I don't think Jeanette was raised a Christian. New Jeanette. We don't have an old Jeanette, but there's a new Jeanette. I don't think she was raised a Christian. She led us in worship. What if the people that were assigned to her case by the captain of the host went half speed? Eh, Jeanette, she's from Long Island. She's never going to see the light. But somebody was hot, and she's with us. You, you have these stories. Everybody has these stories. Where would we be if the people around us lived lukewarm lives? Where would we be if the people who are supposed to love us half-speed it? We know why this word is in there. Whenever I read the story of Laodicea, I think of five men. Five men whose pictures are on the screen now. You may have heard of them. Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, Roger Uderian, Ed McCulley, Pete Fleming. They were missionaries to Ecuador in the 50s. 
This account was written about them. Late in 1955, the five men discovered the Hurani settlement of the Alca Indians in the jungles of Ecuador near Shelmera. Despite the tribe's reputation for extreme isolation and violence, the men were able to interact with three members of the Alca after landing their plane on Palm Beach. But on January 8, 1956, all five men were speared to death by the Urani in gruesome martyrdom. They left five widows and several young children. The story could end there, and you could still make the case that it's a powerful example of hot or cold or intense, being willing to give their lives for the sake of the gospel to literal savages who'd never heard the gospel in Ecuador. That could be the end, but it's not. Because the wives and the sisters, the widows and the relatives of the men who were slain on that beach were just as all in as their husbands had been. This clip I'm about to show you is from a documentary in which the wives were interviewed. Now, most of the wives have gone to heaven, but the wives were interviewed 45 years after their husband's death. Listen to how they characterize that horrendous event. You must have said it many times. Lord, if there's ever anything you want me to do about the Alcas, you'll have to show me. I don't know how or when or where it could ever happen, but I'm available. The missionaries in, in Ecuador were very aware that there was, this, there was this little group of people that speared people. So we, we knew that that was their lifestyle. I believe that all 10 of us were convinced that this was what the men should do, make a friendly contact with them. Saturday, they flew out again, came back Saturday night. And Sunday, it, it, Pete, his last words, I believe, were, pray girls. I don't know why he called us girls, but we were younger then. Pray girls, I'm sure this is the day. And it was the day, it was the day they died, but it was the day God, God did what, he, what his plan was. This is awful. 45 years later. At the same time, we just felt that God was in, in the whole thing and there wasn't anything that had happened that was not in the providence of God. I just was there stunned. Uh, but I still believe God. Uh, I began to wonder why I was there for such a short time and for this to happen. Um, and I, it's, it took years for me uh, looking back on that, to realize that God had a plan. When we all went into Marge's bedroom, 
and Dr. Johnson told us, my first thought was, what will I do with this baby? How am I going to have Dad's baby not have him? I'm not proud of that, but that was one of my first thoughts. But when it came right down to it, you just, you deal, you deal with it. You go to the hospital, you have a baby, you're excited. He's, he's what his father would have loved. You know, they all are. They had their concerns for their children. You know, how do you tell children that their fathers were, a, were not coming back. I didn't have that to deal with. And so I didn't have that kind of pain. As time went on, it became more difficult because then I didn't have, uh, there was no part of Pete. I was alone and uh, I felt that. Well, you know, it's a long time ago, but I, I don't remember ever questioning God about it. I knew that, I knew that he led us there. I knew that he led us. I knew that we wouldn't have found the houses if he hadn't shown them. We wouldn't, they wouldn't have taken off on that Tuesday morning if there'd been rain. God could have stopped them in any number of ways, but God didn't want to stop them. God, God was leading them to do it. May we be as faithful, passionate. They could have easily abandoned the place. They were widows. Took the, they took their husbands. They didn't. The gospel was preached in that area, and it was heard. And since there are hundreds of Alcas who've become pastors, that photo is Nate Saint's children, Steve and Kathy, being baptized by the Alcas in the same river where their dad died. Same place, being baptized by the Alcas because they were all in. I imagine that water's lukewarm, but those faithful men and women were not. Someone once asked Jim Elliott, one of the martyrs of Ecuador, if he thought every Christian had to be a missionary. His famous answer was, yes to their families, their neighborhoods, their workplaces, and their schools. If not to Ecuador, then the lost and lonely, broken and afraid, if not across the world, across the street. And then he said something that has impacted me ever since the moment I read it. It's in my personal mission statement. Jim Elliott said this, wherever you are, be all there. The response to this morning's message is simple, worship. Worship. Because you have your individual prayers to pray. This message seats in different ways with different people. I just hope the Holy Spirit moves. I'll, I'll pray and we'll worship. Um, Jesus, we don't want the stuff. We don't want the things. Uh, we don't want the attachments. We want you. And this morning, as a family of believers, we declare to you, we are all in, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at 
www.naz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.